This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, my name is Jared Dudley, and you're listening to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. My name is Tim Tompkins. We have Greg Esposito and Dave King on the episode today, as always. So we are coming up on a quicker than normal trade deadline. This one falling on February 7th, so we're a little bit more than a week away. Um, you know, moved up a couple of weeks, and it's before the All-Star game now. But I, I wonder how these teams are adjusting, because we've seen in prior trade deadlines where you have so many trades, obviously, that happen right at the trade deadline, but it also happens right after all-star break and and the reason why that's important is because you have all these executives all hanging out at the all-star game all-star week where a lot of the discussion about trades happens and i wonder how much this affects specifically the suns um in this scenario because james jones does not have a relationship with a lot of these other gms that that other gms do because they've been you know, in, in the game for so long and, and stuff like that, those situations that he can't really get into might make a difference. Well, let's be frank. One weekend hanging around other G or other GMs and executives wasn't going to change that. I mean, it's easier because he doesn't have to like, find, track down phone numbers he didn't necessarily have, but I don't think it was going to uh, make, make a big difference in terms of what James Jones is going to be able to accomplish at the deadline, uh, it could affect other deals, though, because you're right. There's a lot of discussions that that happen at those uh, uh, at the deadline for at All Star Weekend in the past that uh, happen face to face. But you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how much action there actually is this uh, this trade deadline uh, with with those factors. Like like I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, well, but can can Kelly Oubre even be dealt because it's not a long he, enough he time? Could be- he can be dealt by himself. Yeah, so so it even impacts that kind like of from stuff, the Suns. You know? I mean, other he cannot be aggregated with any other Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean because that that impacts now those December fifteen guys. You know, it it, it it changes the dynamic of things basically. But I don't know that it'll change well, pretty the much, amount. If, yeah, at this point, pretty much any any player with a couple of exceptions uh, can be traded. Uh, right now, but a lot of them cannot be aggregated. Anyone who has traded midseason cannot be aggregated uh, together. However, you know you can go. You could send Kelly Oubre to a team with a very small trade exception because his current salary is only around three million, I think. And um, all you need is a team to absorb him into that as part of a larger trade that works separately with the money and all that. Uh, as and it could be executed as multiple transactions but still be a larger trade so it is possible to trade Ubre to another team with a group of other phoenix suns but uh the trades would have to work um independently of each other with the salary cap i do find it a little bit interesting so kind of you know but so we'll see teams that you'll see you'll notice like 
uh, team trading with another team fairly often when a lot of trades go down. And that is because those relationships matter. People know each other. And this is a human business. It's not just uh, pulling out the NBA trade machine and making things work. So far, we've seen James Jones uh, execute one trade, and that was with the Wizards. And so I, you know, looking at like players on the Wizards and thinking about guys that might be available, you might have like Thomas Sadoransky, um, you know, but I'm not sure if you guys know necessarily what other teams James Jones might have a relationship with the Miami Heat. You know, that could be another one. The Lakers, he knows a, a big name over there that uh, basically runs things. So let's be let's be fair too. James Jones has executed two trades. He just got the first one wrong. So, right. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, uh, yeah, no, you you just don't know. See, here's the thing: is is there's 14 teams in the West who don't want to sell. Okay, so the the dynamic here is all weird. Uh, James Jones probably is not interested in more first round draft picks. He hasn't hired any scouts or anything like that. And he has said, while he's said that it's going to be difficult to upgrade long-term via trade, um, he's more interested in free agency where he just has to deal with players. Cause he's got much more of a relationship with players than he does with GMs. So, and, and, and now he's saying he trades are difficult and he hasn't hired anybody to scout college. So it kind of looks like if they do anything, in my opinion, there's going to make more room for the summer uh, for free agency. So TJ Warren has multiple years left on his contract at around $11 million per year. If the Suns do make a trade, I wouldn't be surprised if it's for an expiring contract, which just makes the rest of this season even that much more unbearable because they're going to be acquiring yet another player who's just going to be a free agent and leave the team. There's there's a weird competing dynamic here, though. Woj reported earlier this week that the Suns are a seller, right? And when you're a seller, uh, you usually think, okay, well, they're doing it because they want to tank. Because he mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, a few of the other bottom feeders in the league were also, were also sellers to try to improve that draft stock. But then we hear, well, the Suns don't have college scouts, so... They don't really care about this draft, so why would you then be trying well, the to Sun- lose more? Like it's just there's so yeah, many. I don't weird know that factors. they're intentionally right. I don't know that they're intentionally going to try to lose more. I mean, it's hard to lose any more than you currently have. The Suns are in their worst 365-day stretch of their lives as a franchise, uh, so they're not trying to lose more games. I think they are ready to probably they are ready to move on from T.J. Warren. Well, we've gotten indicators from several different places. Um, Greg, you want to talk about what you may have heard on this? Uh, I don't know if I'm breaking it. Uh, There was a report, I believe it was on uh, your site, Dave, on uh, Bright Side of the Sun, that Evan Sidery had uh, mentioned that Robert Sarver had uh, requested, demanded, however you want to say it, that uh, T.J. Warren be moved in the offseason. I actually looked into it further and have confirmation that that, in fact, is true, that Robert Sarver... Uh, basically demanded that T.J. Warren be moved and his long-term contract be moved in this past offseason. So if you put the dots together, Suns are sellers, uh, according to Woj. 
Uh, Sarver had pushed for TJ Warren to be traded this past offseason. He's the likely target, I'm guessing, to get moved uh, because also he's probably the only piece of value that the Suns have at this point that you can move and clear space. So there you go. That's uh, that's what I know from uh, from sources that I've confirmed with that were close to the situation. So they were supposed to trade him last summer and never did. Well, Sar- Sarver demanded it, asked for it, and yes, it did not happen, obviously. so. And then what- Ryan uh, McDonough was fired. Yes, and I'm not. I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm sure there was a, a multiple reasons why it happened, but I'm sure that did not help. Oh, the, yeah. The list of reasons my Ryan McDonough was fired probably resembles the uh, nice and naughty lists from Santa Claus. Just unroll the entire parchment. Just push. yeah, that uh, could just the, be one of them, though. The other part is Sarver's irrational too. So yeah, it could have been any. He could have looked at him funny that day. That could have been why too. So, but this was probably part of it. If uh, he had a direct order to move TJ and it didn't happen, which is interesting because right now TJ Warren sprained ankle, uh, sidelined through the All Star break or through the trade deadline, I should say. The, I mean, I don't, I don't think it'll stop anything. No, that's not what I'm, I'm implying. I'm oh. implying that these sons might intentionally be sitting him. Uh, with that sprained ankle, knowing that he's on the trading block, so nothing further happens and devalues the stock. I mean, we're talking about a, a guy that scores 18 points a game. Uh, he's been very efficient from the field this year, shooting uh, 43% from uh, three-point, uh, 31 minutes a game. I mean, he's been, you know, he's he's solid, and a lot of teams can use a well, scorer yeah. right now. Based on the history of, of relationships that the Suns front office um, from Ryan McDonough in the past to Robert Sarver a lot, uh, that relationships with players sour and then they start playing poorly and then they start acting like they're in a bad mood all the time, then all of a sudden they're gone. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if TJ Warren is the latest of those guys who got wind of those demands uh, to be traded and, and has responded poorly after an opening month or two of the season to show teams he's got a three-point shot. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's being sat through the trade deadline at this point. There's only uh, a week and a half left. Honestly, though, if they trade TJ Warren just for some expiring contract to give them cap relief for the offseason, I'm going to be so angry. That's way <laughs> yeah. too – that's that's is far too talented of a guy to move in that kind of you know, of a of a deal. It just does not Warren make Warren has always been a really difficult uh, proposition, though, because – while he is talented at scoring when he's focused in, uh, and now he can make three-point shots uh, without really hardly thinking about it, he still doesn't like taking three-point shots. His his attempts are down to just uh, just under three in the last uh, several weeks, and he doesn't play defense, and he's a terrible rebounder. So I'm not really sure. He's a great sixth man off the bench. So if you can send him to a team that either A, thinks he's going to grow into a better player over the course of his you know, fifth to ninth years in the league, or B, want him coming off the bench of your playoff team, then he's a great acquisition. But he's really not going to get much better than he is right now. Although I did say that last year and he added a three-point shot. So who knows what's going to happen there, but I think he's got a lower uh, value across the league than Suns fans want him to have. Yeah, but it's still uh, it's still more than, hey, take this uh, guy that we have no intention of uh, – 
of keeping so you can have more cap space to get people who aren't going to come here anyways this summer. Well, we don't I mean, know that people won't come here. I think that's what James Jones is putting in his back pocket is that he's telling uh, himself, if not everybody else around him, that your best bet's going to be free agency because then all you have to do is deal with players. And James yeah. knows how to talk to players. Yeah, but let's look. I mean, I get it. It wasn't James Jones running the show, but look at the last five, six off seasons. And the reality of things is Phoenix is not a destination. And hell, it hasn't it traditionally been. If you look at what what are the biggest free agents to ever sign here? Steve Nash, who had been here previously. Uh, Goran Dragic, who had been here previously. previously. Uh, Danny Manning, who came here on a wink-wink uh, yeah. deal back in the day, knowing he was going to get taken care of. And Tom Chambers. Those are the biggest free agents that you've ever attracted to Phoenix. One a decade. Yeah, it's not it's not a huge list. So I don't have a whole lot of faith that James Jones, even with a mountain of cash, is going to be able to attract anybody of any real substance. Here. Oh, yeah. I don't so, disagree with you at all. I'm just telling you what I what I think I'm piecing together from messages from the front office. So if so, they're not they're sellers, which means they're not going to add a major piece, which means that draft pick is not going anywhere. But they don't want to draft anybody. Like the whole thing is <laughs> just weird. Well, I think they wouldn't mind being swappers. I think the Suns would rather be able to pick up a guy they'd love to keep past this year in exchange for T.J. Warren, who they don't want to keep past this year anymore. I get. Uh, I think they'd rather that, but I don't know that James Jones loves the um, the negotiating with other GMs part of the job. And so maybe Trevor Buckstein will do all that negotiating, and James will just be part of the advisory panel. Um, I don't know how what kind of relationships that Trevor Buckstein has developed, but he has been one talking on the phones for years with other teams. Although if you look at the Suns' trade history, it hasn't been awesome. You don't know if he had better trades lined up that were previously denied. We don't know. Uh, but I don't think James really loves negotiating with these other GMs. So I, I think it's going to be he would love to add a long-term piece, but I think he's going to settle for having more room in free agency. That's just my guess as as an observer. Well, Trevor Trevor built a great relationship with me. So if he wants uh, some uh, some of the stuff I have in this room, I'm willing to deal it for TJ Warren. You know, so at least we know where there's one relationship. Yeah, yours is got. not the kind of relationship our, <laughs> our GM needs to have. No, I I don't. This is going to be a very weird deadline. Very much like this has been a very weird season. Here's the thing: it it, it could be. It obviously is very weird. It's very unconventional. It's very un. Um, uh, um, traditional unqualified we have a bunch of unqualified people in positions that that uh, probably shouldn't be the ones doing the negotiating it doesn't mean the Suns won't end up with something good it just means it's uh, much more unlikely what what is working in the Suns favor is that there's a lot of buyers right now I mean if you look at the standings in the west uh, the ninth, 10th, 11th seed are only three games out of the playoffs. If you look in the East, um, you know, same as well. Ninth, 10th, and 11th are uh, two to three games out of the playoffs. And there's not a lot of sellers. So really, this is the time to be a seller if there has ever been a time to be a seller. And it is not the time to be a buyer, which does kind of work out in the Suns' favor. Yeah, I, I true. And I think they need... 
whoever negotiated this new arena deal is the one that they should have negotiating trades because they got pretty they got a pretty damn good deal there. So get Jason Rowley on that phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the those those part of the front office should be uh, doing the deals. But you're right. I mean, if there ever was a time, it's when you have this many teams that still think they have a shot at the playoffs and are looking for that piece to just get them over the hump. And I'm sure a TJ Warren looks quite attractive in that, uh, in that spot for some of these teams that need scoring off the bench. So we'll see. I just, I, I yet again, I don't have a whole lot of faith that this is going to go the right direction. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a break, but before we do, Mr. Dave King, who do we have coming up on the show? Uh, we have a really good interview coming up with Dwayne Rankin, who works for the Arizona Republic and, and writes online at azcentral.com. Uh, he uh, was there during all the scuffles and, and uh, arguments and and fun long uh, long showers. <laughs> he wasn't in the showers with the players, but uh, they were waiting outside the locker room on Friday night. And so he can give us his firsthand observer insight into what's going on with the Phoenix Suns lately. That's coming up next. Uh, well, first off, I want to thank a listener for supporting the show. Um, if you are watching on YouTube right now or if you are listening uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and you open up the show notes below, you will see a little button that says support the podcast. So I want to go ahead and thank Jake Brogner, longtime listener of the podcast for supporting us. We really do appreciate you, Jake. Hey, can I can I thank another can I thank another listener? Yeah, uh, we got a great note from uh, from Vince. I think we joked around about this that a listener didn't want to uh, didn't want to go through the electronic method to donate to the show so vince actually sent me cold hard cash in the mail and a nice note that said hopefully with the other solar panel listeners contributions things will add up you you are talented guys and may even move on to the big time in any event thanks for all the chuckles vince so he sent us uh I won't say the dollar amount, but a sizable amount that uh, you guys are never going to see because he sent it to my house. But uh, but thank you, Vince, for uh, contributing in a non-digital fashion. Yeah, thank you very much, Vince. We do appreciate you. And if you do want to support for a dollar a month, just open up the show notes and click on the Become a Supporter button. We really do appreciate it. If you do decide to go ahead and do the uh, $10 option, I will personally send you some Suns swag. Speaking of players that might... Uh, be being shopped around right now. Uh, one player in particular might have recently improved his draft stock just a bit, and that is Dragon Bender, who, if you are at the Suns' home, game, home games right now, the crowd absolutely loves whenever he makes a shot. The crowd is into it. For a guy that uh, had been riding the bench uh, for the entire season, playing 29 minutes a game, uh, seven rebounds, an assist and a half, one steal, 14 points, uh, you know, I, we're grading on a curve, but Bender has been okay. And uh, I, I do wonder if there is, uh, if he was able to improve his uh, trade stock at all. Well, okay. So you say the fans love it when Bender makes a shot. It's very similar to back in the day when Joe Klein would make a shot for the Suns coming in <laughs> in garbage time and, and cranking up a three. So uh, let's, let's uh, put... Dragon Bender's the cheers for Dragon Bender into context. Hey, I've returned to Bender Island. I'd like to thank friend of the show Rhett Reese for keeping my uh, cabana uh, warm and uh, well stocked. 
Uh, it's uh, I've I've enjoyed watching this uh, watching this guy actually show some signs of life. He's rebounding all right. He's he's you know, been aggressive on offense, which we haven't seen before. I mean, we we were all at the game on Wednesday, and there were a few plays where he Tuesday. decided or Tuesday, excuse me, correct, uh, where he decided he wasn't going to actually. Uh, shoot the three he was going to drive in and he and he took it to the rack hard we have not seen that from dragon bender so yes the bar is very low we're no longer looking at this guy i i think you brought this up dave as a guy who was the former number four pick we're looking at a guy trying to fight for his nba life and we all like to see uh, see a guy actually be able to to keep his livelihood so so has yeah, he improved I, I don't his personally. Trade I don't stock. think he's improved his draft stock or his trade stock. Excuse me. This this past week, but he certainly has shown signs of life. Uh, people do. People can see that he's at least the guy who played last year, if not a little bit more, uh, with a little bit of aggressiveness. If you put him into a situation where he touches the ball more often than uh, three or four times a game behind the arc, so that that part is true for sure. Uh, he made me think a lot of Alex Len this past week because he's uh, with the Suns being out both eight and Amershon Holmes. Dragon Bender's gotten the bulk of the minutes at center, and I just saw a lot of Alex Len in there. And, and to me, that is not much of a compliment. I does that mean he's going to go on as a free agent next year and actually play decent somewhere else? Like, is that what we're expecting? Like, I don't, no, he- I don't. I don't know that Alex Len is playing any more decent for Atlanta than he is than he was for the Suns. That's true. I, he Dragon Bender is not a piece that they're gonna that people are clamoring to trade for now. They've, no, they also might not be totally out of the league, which is your point. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probable. You know, is yeah. is he worth? Could the Suns at this point get a, a second round pick or two out of Dragon Bender? They don't want second round picks, so no, they don't. They don't want draft picks. Welcome to the quandary that is they the might. James Jones era. Yeah. Hey, maybe uh, we could, you could trade a Dragon Bender for Thon McCour. I uh, now see. I take. I trade problems like that for each other and see if it if it leads to anything. Why not? But uh, I, you know, to me, I'd rather have. Dragon Bender back at four million, then Rashawn Holmes back at ten million next year. With what, since I've seen some signs of life, but that's just me. Oh, what? I would wow. rather see, see Dragon wow. back at four million than Rashawn at ten. You did I, actually say that. Oh, I, I will oh. die on that hill. Thank you. Oh, Greg. Greg, you really you. undervalue Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I I feel real bad for you. Yeah, he's really helped this year. I'm glad Rashawn Holmes has changed the the dynamic of everything and fixed everything. No, he's he's the same kind of guy that Allen Williams was. He's a guy that shows some hustle. You can get it a lot cheaper than Rashawn Holmes is going to go for next year is my only point there. All right, fans, in the comments section under this uh, post when I put it on Brightside, you got to tell us what you think. Do you think uh, Dragon Benders is more worth having next year than Rishon Holmes? At the price point. Make that clear. If they get the same money, of course I'd want Rashawn Holmes over them. You know, really, what, is, what, is an extra, what does an extra $6 million do? 
Well, apparently James Jones has these big plans, so that extra six million <laughs> should do a lot because he knows people and he's got relationships, so he can convince big names to come to Phoenix. So I'm it, not even going to argue this point. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it has been, at least to me, um, really noticeable how visibly frustrated Devin Booker is on the court right now. Oh, what? What? Trying to fight somebody made that pretty clear to you there? <laughs> no, just 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 his his overall demeanor um, when he's throwing passes and they aren't being caught or whatever the case might be. Whenever he just he looks frustrated right now. He looks like well, a guy yeah, that he needs is a damn vacation because he wants to win games. Uh, he's tired of of just putting up points and 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 dishing assists and and not getting anything. To me, that that's part good sign, part bad sign. I mean, you can't just start becoming a me first sniper because then all you're doing is proving all of your haters wrong. You know, the people who, who you're skeptics. I don't want to use haters cause I hate that word. Um, so you're so, a hater of haters. I'm a hater of hate. All right. Good job. <laughs> but anyway, I, uh, um, I don't want him to end up spending this season proving all of his skeptics wrong or right. Or, or, well, right. To, to me, how much of this is the pressure of that new contract? Because now he went from a guy who was over overachieving on expectations of where he was drafted and and what people thought of him coming into the league. They thought he was just a three point shooter, didn't didn't expect uh, what he became. But now he's expected to be a star because he's been paid as a franchise star. And I wonder if some of the pressure of that is also getting to him on top of the fact that they're losing because now when they lose and he's being paid as a star, it it is more of a reflection on him. And I think that's getting to him as well. That could be, but it's also getting to us too as fans. He's no longer that, that cute little under, uh, you know, uh, surprise draft pick who turned out to be better than his draft stock. Now he's this max player that, has to carry the Suns to some wins. And yeah, so it's pressure on the fans not not seeing him as an underdog anymore and it's pressure on him having to prove his value. But I look at it, why do we expect any different results? This roster is not significantly better than the roster we we saw last year. This Outside roster of- has more potential in talent than yes. last year's, but not as not as good of execution. I mean, when Kelly Oubre is one of your oldest players in your rotation, and Kelly Oubre is only 23 years old, that is not a good sign for your winnability in games. Well, especially if you're now looking at trading TJ Warren, who's probably the most experienced guy that gets minutes on this team now outside of Jamal Crawford. So so I don't know why we expect more out of Devin Booker in a situation that isn't a- any more palpable or palatable than last year. DeAndre right? Ayton. You know, like I just I get Aiton's here and and Mikhail Bridges and that's more talent, but they're also younger and guys who have to learn this league. So this year, I without a point guard, without additional experience, I don't know why even us who were being optimistic expected any more out of this. And I get Booker's frustrations, I get everybody's frustrations. Losing sucks, and this whole thing is sucked. But really the dysfunction is what's the most frustrating. I don't think that the, the results are what's frustrating me the most. 
And why? Hold on, I'm gonna go on a rant here. Why? Why did you weren't people, already? Well, no, this is gonna be a real rant. So, uh, like, why were people so pissed off about Devin Booker, uh, Devin Booker's actions on Tuesday? Right? I just don't get it. To me, I was like, yeah, let's show some fire. Let's show some literal fight here. I get it. It's he lost his cool, but to me, that says the guy still cares. You know how easy it would be to not give a damn in this situation anymore and just pack it in uh, for knowing that this is going to be another completely lost season and he showed a pulse and when you look at the Suns history think about some of the most celebrated guys in Suns history Raja Bell is known for fighting Kobe Bryant and people celebrate him Charles Barkley is one of the most popular Suns ever and the guy was known for being an instigator and and causing issues on and off the court and the 92-93 Suns the favorite Suns of all time right Gotten a giant brawl at then America West Arena with the New York Knicks around the same time of year as Devin Booker just got in a fight. So why the hell do we care that Devin Booker did that? People are acting as if it's some because uh, he's doing it for a, uh, the crappiest team in the league as opposed to a winning team. I get it, but why is that some smudge on his character? And where people are like, oh no, is this the guy that can really lead? A leader doesn't do this. No, leaders do this. People get in fights. I mean, Shaq and Barkley got in a fight, for God's sake, at one point uh, during games. Let's not act like this is some awful detrimental thing to Devin Booker's career. I just thought he should have try to fight somebody different. I mean, you know, <laughs> Devin Booker first first Jang. I they, you know, didn't end up fighting all all the reports are uh you know, security took care of it, but Devin Booker should not be fighting Jang. I mean, out of all the players to fight, Jang is not the one I think is going to turn out very well for Devin Booker. Well, who do you want him to fight? His buddy Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, yeah, like, I think that would have been a little bit more interesting. I mean, just just on a, a, a matchup level, like Jang. It, I don't know if you you guys have seen Jang. I I wouldn't want to fight Jang. I wouldn't want to fight any NBA player. But Jang's one of those guys that you just look at and you're like, Nah, bro, not doing it. Oh, what? You want, you want to fight somebody his size? Derrick Rose was his size. That's a guy I'm not messing with. I'm not messing with a Chicago native like Derrick Rose. Like, I'm not, I, you know, I, whatever. I, I get it. Where's Tyus Jones? I mean, let's get somebody <laughs> on that. <laughs> fight, his own, fight Jamal Crawford. That guy seems nice. Like, he'd be like, dude, let's just talk this out. Hey, man, no need for cool. fisticuffs. <laughs> Like, or why did, fight Igor? Like Igor seems like a dude that would be like, let's you know, we'll be all right here. Let's just talk it through. Like, is that what you want, Tim? Uh, I mean, I was irritated at it at, at the fight just because you know there's just I hate it when players get ejected from games, especially while you're sitting there because you're just thinking to yourself, man, I spent a bunch of money on this ticket. And uh, you don't want to see the players get ejected. So I understand the frustration. All I got to tell you, uh, 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 Twitter was hilarious after the fight. I think the the best tweet I saw was something along the lines of, Devin Booker can't be out there risking his life. He's got children to take care of now. You know, I mean. <laughs> I saw, I thought one of the funny ones was, uh, there's that picture of the, the son's security guy Holding the kind of holding the back of Devin's pants. Well, we were at the game and in arena about two minutes after this, or maybe five minutes after this, on the on the jumbotron, they do a Titanic 
cam, right? Where you're supposed to, one person's <laughs> supposed to stand behind the other and hold the arms out like, uh, like did Kate Winslet on the boat. Picture up there. They didn't, <laughs> but people on the internet who were at the game knowing they were doing that cam did, and it was so accurate. You know what I'm really mad about is that Devin Booker couldn't outrun the security guard who looked like Uncle Phil from uh from fresh prince right same kind of oh, weight same kind you of know, body type you know booker was purposely keeping himself close to the security guy so that the security guy could hold his it's like you know it's that old come on at me come at me come at me hold me back hold me back Nah, see if devin were smart what he would have done was outrun him through the tunnel and then stop once he got in there if that was what he was trying to do <laughs> is that everybody would have thought he was fighting the guy and none of us would have seen him almost get depanced in the we just, standing hey, we just the need club. to give the security guy some credit for having quick hands well he's the jared dudley of security guards he has athletic, he has athletic hands. hands in the security team <laughs> You guys, uh, you see the report that the Suns are going to sit down with Terry Rozier this offseason? Yeah. They're going to sit down with Terry Rozier? Sure, because Terry Rozier is a free agent. Exactly. Gabe Jones is going to be like, yeah, I'm good with players. Why don't we sit down and talk, even though you're restricted, and I'm not going to get you anyways. So, like, what? I That report boggled my mind. Yes, Terry Rozier and the Suns are going to sit down after after the season. If you're... If you're Boston, aren't you a little pissed off that Terry Rozier's already making dinner plans for when your season's over? Like, you're trying to win a championship, and this guy's worrying about eating with James Jones? Like, that would piss me off a little bit. Well, I mean, chances are they aren't going to be able to keep him. I think that he wants to be a starting point guard, and the Celtics have somebody called Kyrie Irving at the point. Well, that... And they also re-signed Marcus Smart, too, already. So they real probably are not going to keep Terry Rozier this offseason. Is he the answer though? No. Like seriously, I don't I, like I don't think he is. No. That that would be the most Suns move is to get get a guy that really isn't the answer at all and make and him spend all the money. Right. You're listening to the Solar Panel with Greg Esposito, Tim Tompkins and Dave King. Now back to the show. Uh you guys want to do solar opposites before we get to this interview? Yes, let's do let's it. Let's do one round of solar opposites. Yep. I will be the uh, I will be the ringmaster here, and we're going to go Tim against Greg. So the question on the table is: Given the Suns' problems at point guard, problems at playmaking, and the fact that Devin Booker is tired of being the the primary playmaker, at least recently, because his, his assists per game have gone way down, uh, and he's just taking shots now, should the Suns? try Josh Jackson long-term for an extended stint as the primary playmaker on the team. Josh Jackson, go Tim. Yes. I mean, at, at this point, the, you know, Josh Jackson is a player who his one tangible quality coming out of the draft was his ability to pass. And we, it was the reason why the Suns as well as the fans were so excited about Josh Jackson. Right now he has a 16% assist percentage putting him in the 87 percentile. I'm not saying that it's going to be the winner. I'm just saying that the Suns are such complete trash right now that you might as well throw mud against the wall and see if it sticks. And if it works, and it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not like the Suns are, lo- are winning any games anyway. They're already in the, the race for Zion Williamson. I mean, you know, there's we saw it in Miami right now with Justice Winslow. He really excelled in that role. And Josh Jackson, you might as well try it. I mean, uh, otherwise we're running uh, D'Anthony Melton out there. We have uh, Jamal Crawford, who's running points for large stretches. We're, al- we're already seeing Josh Jackson bring up the ball. What can it hurt? 
All right, Greg, you have one minute to rebut everything that Tim just said. Ready? Go. Tim, that brown stuff that you're throwing at the wall isn't mud. It's shit, all right? Because this is not a guy you want running your point. Right now, he's averaging 2.2 assists and 2.3 turnovers a game, right? The only pass we've seen him be able to truly throw is a lob pass. And right now, with the, without Aiton even there, it's not going to be a valuable pass because there's nobody that's going to be able to finish a lob. The last thing I want to see is Josh Jackson with the ball in his hands even more because the man since uh, since his rookie season and through summer leagues has not been able to make the right decision when he has the ball. He either chucks up a shot, drives wildly to the hoop, or throws a lob. Those are the three options and I don't need to see any more of it than we are already seeing on the court when it comes to Josh Jackson. I get it. They don't have a point guard and trying things is is an option right now, but this is not the right option and I don't think it'll help the development of Josh Jackson in the long run because he has not proven that he has the basketball yeah. IQ to do it. All right. So that was your 1 minute rebuttal, Greg. Good job. Uh Tim, now you get to uh, now you get to have one more reply for thirty seconds. Uh, do you want to engage in that, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. All right, ready, set, go. I mean, while I completely agree that his assist to turnover ratio isn't exactly the best, I mean, at this point, we're also talking about trying to salvage a uh, really high lottery pick in Josh Jackson, and you might as well give him the opportunity to see if it shines. I mean, I just, I, I that's it is you might as well give it the opportunity and see if it works. All right, Greg, you get one more 30 second piece and then I'm going to have to call out who wins. Ready? Go. So you want to try to salvage him by putting him in a bad position that isn't going to help him and maybe even more detrimental to him because he's going to make worse decisions. You want to talk about DeAnthony Melton. He has 3.3 assists a game and 1.7 turnovers. It would be a worse situation to put Josh Jackson in a point than letting DeAnthony Melton try to figure it out himself. All right. Okay, so here's my here's my overall take on this. I think, personally... Um, well, no, I'm not even going to give my take because I am not in this debate. So I'm just going to say what I, who I think made the strongest argument. So Tim is talking about Josh Jackson, why not, basically, and what could, what could possibly go wrong. And Greg's like, everything could possibly go wrong. Tim's saying that this stint might actually save Josh Jackson's career, and Greg is saying this stint might actually ruin Josh Jackson's career. So now i got to make the call. I feel like Josh Jackson's career would not be impacted either way uh, with a three, four, five-week stint as the primary point guard. Um, however, I think the Sun season might go in a really negative turn if Josh Jackson is the primary playmaker. Um, I would be okay with it for a week or two, but that's about it. So who made the strongest argument? Tim, why not? What could go wrong? Greg, this could ruin everything horribly. Um, I'm going to go with Greg's side on this one because I just don't see anything positive coming out of the Josh Jackson at point guard um, phase except for Josh um, having more turnovers than assists and then telling us in the locker room that he had a great game. I guess I, the the starting, I, I should have qualified it saying I don't think he should be the starting point guard. I'm more meant in those second units where you have Jamal Crawford running point. You know, the, Those are the ones in which I'm like, eh, why not try Josh Jackson instead of Jamal Crawford? Oh, okay. well, if you're limiting, okay, if you're restricting your argument to 
it's he's better than Jamal Crawford as an option. I I'm totally I'm fine with that. I'm fine uh, with that for a few weeks. But, but man, at that it's, point, go ahead. But at that point, I was what? Just to say at that point, wouldn't I? Wouldn't you rather just see Elliot Kobo get a chance than than Josh Jackson? I mean, you drafted the kid. Just give him the ball. Let him go out there. I mean, well, Elliot Kobo for the next few weeks is the starting point guard. Uh, because D'Anthony Melton has has was walking around in a boot with Ooh. a cane on Friday night. Rashawn uh, Rash- Rashawn Holmes took him back into the locker room. It was interesting. Uh, so I I do want to give Suns fans a tip before we go into this interview because I realize we're a little bit behind on the interview. Is that basically I ended up sitting third row when I was in Phoenix, right behind the Suns bench, and I did it for. $60 total. Like we're talking about seats that are worth a couple of hundred dollars, probably um, third row right behind the bench. So all I did was I bought $10 tickets from the, the guys outside. And then I upgraded my tickets once I got in for 50 bucks. So if you're ever looking to, to score really good seats on a game, buy the cheap tickets and then just upgrade. You don't actually have to buy uh, the seats outright at the box office. So that's one way, but it was really interesting to watch the, the dynamic, especially when that happened. Uh, when, when D'Anthony Melton went down, yeah, Rashawn Holmes like walked him back to the locker room. It's actually kind of sweet, man. Your crush on Rashawn Holmes is really a beautiful thing, Tim. I do love me some Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> and we know Greg is a Rashawn Holmes uh, skeptic. No, I am a Rashawn Holmes realist. All right, that's what I am. I guess I, I, I like I like the effort he brings, but I'm a realist. What what Craig but, is talking about is a replacement level. Rashawn Holmes, although he brings a lot of value to the table, is at the end of the day a replacement level player. Right? Wait, mm-hmm. crap. Crap, I made an analytics argument and didn't realize it. <laughs> I retract my previous statement. What's his VORP, Greg? <laughs> it's I, I have no clue what VORP is. Was that a uh, Star Trek character or something? <laughs> Value over replacement player. It's, it's literally de- a stat. It's, it's dead even. He's he's the same as he's any a replacement player. He's uh, a zero. He is actually a point nine. Uh, so, basically a zero no that makes him second (laughs) that's that's second on the team in in value of a replacement player he's second on the team behind uh deandre ayton mikhail bridges being third devin booker being fourth tj warren being fifth and uh there's a couple of other guys kelly Oubre's an actual like dead even everybody else on the team d'anthony melton uh, quincy ac troy daniels dragon bender ellie kobo josh jackson and jamal crawford all have negative vorps josh jackson's uh negative 0.9 vorps so uh, hold on let me get this straight so you could replace the sun's entire roster with baseline average players yeah, and they'd be better than this group. They would be a forty-one win team. <laughs> yes, by far. How is this a surprise? But but that's it. I it isn't really. The but problem that, with the advanced stats is is that they tell what happened as much as anything else, and and because the Suns collectively, as a team, are uh, you know eleven and uh, thirty-nine, thirty-eight, something like that. Right now, as we as we record. Um, Everyone's going to look bad. It's just relative. It's all relative. You put any one of these guys on different teams, they may or may not be more or less effective, even though they're the same exact player. So that's that's the downside of these advanced stats. 
Wait, I want the I want a VORP for uh, for what we do. So value over replacement podcast. Right? <laughs> I, I, I want to know I want to uh, know if they if we were replaced with any of the other Sun shows, uh, would it be better? Are we are we the no, sons of Suns podcast? We're a zero. Basically, if you're looking at VORP, though, it's kind of interesting on the team is you have six players that are above average uh over uh, you know above average replacement player and everybody else isn't which is basically true i mean the suns have five or six good players and everybody else on the team is pretty much trash yeah and four of those are hurt right now yeah and it, that's part of the reason why igor can't put uh good units out there i mean he just doesn't yeah, have when good I asked players him, when i asked him, I, I had to ask the question of so last week so you're not even you're not going to start kelly Ubre, who's been one of their more effective players and and potentially um uh, should be in our in the starting lineup, and Igor just kind of looked at me and chuckled. He said, "It's a forty-eight minute game, man." Basically, just saying that you can't put all your best players in one lineup because somebody has to play the other minutes, and you need someone who can play actually playing those other minutes. He basically told you the rest of these guys suck. Is what he yes, told you. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> okay, so you know who you know who Kelly Oubre's been playing with off the bench with the Suns down four players on Friday night. He's been playing with. Quincy AC, who is going to be let go after his 10-day is up because they signed another dude who is out of Division II, um, or they're intending to anyway as of Sunday. Uh, they, Jamal Crawford, who we all know has been up and down, mostly down. And, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, and Troy Daniels. Those are the only guys left coming off the bench. And while people like the fact when they see Troy Daniels make long shots – um, he doesn't really bring anything else of competitive value to a team. If you're going to surround him by players who can be com- competent, then Troy Daniels can look really good out there in limited minutes doing a limited role. But the Suns can't afford to have a limited role guy out there. And so he, lo- he ends up looking bad. So that's who Kelly Oubre has been playing with. And if you put Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup, then you're having Josh Jackson potentially play with those guys. And that's even more of a disaster. Wrap, wrap your mind around this. Both Troy Daniels and uh, and Jamal Crawford are likely guys, if you're selling, that you're trading at this deadline, too. So how much worse could that second unit get? I don't think the Suns are going to get anything for a Troy Daniels. They might release him. So uh, that's what is most likely going to happen is if Troy really wants to go to another team where his role is more defined and uh, it's okay to be a one one-trick pony, then they'll probably release him after the deadline because no one's going to give the Suns any assets for him. Also, money's got to match, and those guys don't make uh, very much money. So Kelly Oubre is actually fourth on the team as far as minutes per game. So while he might not be starting, he's playing starter minutes. For, right. Forgive my ignorance. What is a, a good VORP, like a, a top-flight player? What what kind of number are they? Like, uh, What's the range of that? Say a, a young. It's a real small range. They're, they're in the, I mean, Tim is probably looking it up, but uh, they're generally in the, you know, plus or minus three range. Okay. So, with a zero being completely replaceable. Right. Okay. So like a point nine isn't isn't atrocious. No, it's about no, that scale. Okay. Really good. Yeah. Okay, thank you for educating me on this thing you guys call analytics. <laughs> and on that note, I play I play dumb pretty well. I actually know a lot of this stuff, but you know, it, it's fun. Uh-huh. We're sponsored by Bright Side of the Sun, and by sponsor, they don't actually give us a penny. Go to brightsideofthesun.com for all the latest solar panel episodes.
All right. Uh, for a special interview this week, we have Dwayne Rankin, who is the new beat reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com covering the Phoenix Suns. Hi, how you doing today, Dwayne? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Excellent. Uh, yeah, we get to... You and I are at, well, you're at all the Suns games, road and away, and I'm at the home games, and so we've seen each other a lot this year. This is your first year on the beat. No so, doubt. yeah, so let's uh, let's let's focus on a couple of, uh, actually, let's focus on a couple of games that the Suns have played recently to highlight um, how good things can get and how bad things can get. The Suns' best win of the season, arguably, was the win over Denver in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. They were doing it without Booker. And uh, they and I think it was uh, TJ as well. And they beat Denver easily. Denver came in and they admitted after the game we played. Uh, the, Nikola Jokic said that he played against an eleven and thirty some team, uh, and right. did not expect the Suns to uh, play that hard. And then on Friday night, this uh, just this past week, <clears throat> on Friday night the Suns played Denver again. This time in Denver, but uh, and, but they did have Booker back. Uh, although they were out for other guys in the, in the rotation. Right. Uh, but it didn't seem like the same game. It didn't seem like the Suns were trying as hard or played as hard after that first couple of quarters. All it took was a couple of bad turns and a couple of bad possessions, and suddenly the game was out of reach in, in a way that just seemed like, uh, well, you might as well just play out the string of this game. I mean, it was late second quarter. The Suns were tied. With right. Denver on Friday night in Denver, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was over. And it was a 15-point game at halftime, I believe, something like that. And then right. Uh, right. very quickly, you detailed very well in an article yesterday on The Republic about how uh, the game basically turned um, out of reach from kind of out of reach to totally out of reach when Devin Booker started getting in his head on non-foul calls. Um, that was a right. really, really good sequence on um, uh, reporting on, on your part. I just read this morning, actually. And uh, I'd like to just your takes on what helped them win over Denver and how that turned against them or they just didn't show it on Friday night against Denver. Well, what you have just just looking at the game, the, the home game uh, against Denver, um, First thing is, you know, defensively they were they were all over the place uh, in terms of aggressive, uh, getting hands on balls, uh, you know, and they and they played uh, that aggressive style and they were establishing this sort of like defensive mentality. Okay, we're going to guard people. We're not going to just rely on. We're not going to rely on our offense. We're going to guard people. And and I think your point is well taken about Denver. You know, kind of looked at them and were like, okay, yeah, you know, that they because they. The irony of that is that they had, they were up 25 the previous game um, when they played yeah. uh, Phoenix. in Phoenix, Phoenix got yeah. back in it and and you know, made it made it interesting at the end and uh, and then it was like you know I remember uh, Mike Malone went up to Igor and kind of like put his head on his chest like like we we could not have lost this game <laughs> you know so so I thought after that you know that Denver would be more locked in. But maybe they were thinking, oh, you know what? Well, remember, we were up twenty-five, and we just sort of just, wow. you know, we it coasted to get them back in. And, and Phoenix didn't have Booker too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So they're looking at that and going, "Hey, you know, this should be a not a. It should be an easier game." And uh, and then Phoenix just was was dialed in defensively, and and I, I think Aiden 
was running the floor and, and making making Jokic uh, work uh, in that sense. And, and so you, you you had a a game where they were so uh, defensive. I mean, they you know, if I if I, if I if I'm recalling right, you know, it was like they scored like 26 or 30 points off turnovers. I think it was 30 off of that yeah. off that first time, mm-hmm. and then 26 <laughs> off of that second time. So, Correct. you know, they, they're, turn, they're turning, they're turning Denver over, and, and then scoring off of that. So uh, that was that was the game in a nutshell. Uh, but then, you know, here, you know, this well, and it really helped that didn't Denver didn't make their uh, jumpers. So right, right when the Suns were doing well in that uh, mid December to early January run, uh, they were getting they were leading the league in deflections, uh, especially after adding Kelly Oubre to the rotation. Right, uh, but still not profiling great defensively because uh, other teams were still making their open shots. So if the Suns didn't get a steal, the other team was getting an easy shot anyway. And what happened in that Denver win a couple weeks ago is Denver just didn't make their open shots or even slightly contested shots that night. So, And then uh, couple that with Phoenix's long arms and active deflections and all that, and that's what made it a really good defensive game. Right. And then also, you know, when you, when you are – uh, engaged uh, defensively. Uh, sometimes the open shot, they may be open, but they, they may feel a little feel a little stressed True. because you're not you're not uh, you're not relaxed. Uh, and that was the one thing that uh, the point was made uh, about the, the the previous game they had played against Denver was that you know guys were comfortable. I mean, Craig's pulling up, mm. uh, Beasley's pulling. I mean, it was like you know, like you know, first day in the first day in the gym. Uh, whereas <laughs> that, that that next game, it, it wasn't as uh, fluid, wasn't as smooth uh, in terms of running the offense, and and uh, so that that was obviously huge in that. But but again, the game in Denver, uh, and obviously you know, it was that point where it was it was it was it was it was a twelve point game, and then it, it ballooned to, to twenty off of off of a stretch in which Booker started uh, you know having it taking issues with the refs. Uh, non-calls and, and things of that nature, but um, but that was a game that was just so bizarre to me because you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Phoenix is making plays and all, this. and like you say, you look up like, whoa, like this is just yeah, gotten just completely out of hand. That like, last four know. minutes of the second quarter was just what happened. Yeah, you're like what happened with this team, and so uh, you know, Igor talks about. You know, he mentioned fatigue a little bit, which is one, as you know, one of the things that he'll go to uh, when it comes to certain games. Like, okay, you know, we didn't have it. It was, you know, it was a back-to-back and, and, and things of that nature. So, uh, but at the same time, it just it just felt like uh, once it got a little bit out of hand that, that, that they just sort of went, well, yeah, you know, we don't have it tonight. We're down four guys. Okay. You know, we're, we're you know it's like we we're not gonna get beat up too much about it. But then once it ballooned into the 30s, then you start looking bad because then right. you know guys are just you know nuggets. Or, you know guys are eight guys in double figures, and you didn't, and they didn't have their best player, and you're sitting there watching it. And then uh, when it started getting to that 30 point area, then that's when the point of this is embarrassing even all the circumstances involved. And, and that's what ultimately led to 
the long showers after the game. <laughs> so let's talk about that. That was a perfect segue, Dwayne. Uh, so you were there. You guys were um, led into the locker room for uh, uh, a little bit. Then all of a sudden you were asked to leave. Uh, right. Did you see something like I didn't see either you or Gina talk about it much, but did you know that you were going to be ushered back out after being let in? Like what what precipitated that? Well, we were when we walked in, um, we're just sitting, we're, we're standing there as usual, kind of waiting for people to, you know, Come out of the shower. get out yeah. the shower or, you know, get dressed or whatever. And and then um I can remember, uh, I think it was Aiden. Um, you know, it was like something to the effect of, "Hey, you know, you know that, you know they gotta leave," and so, uh, so I'm going, I'm looking around like he's okay, in his street clothes. This is Aiden. Yeah, he's in his street clothes. He's like, "Well, they gotta leave," and I'm going, "What's going on?" And so then next thing, you know, couple a minute, kind of half a minute, kind of passes, and we're still standing there, and they were like, "Hey, y'all, y'all, you know." Uh, they let let y'all in. They would frame it as let us in too early. You know, you let us in too early. Y'all, you know, y'all got to go. So we're like, okay. But, but was it too so, early? No. No, not in my opinion. Once the coach once the coach comes out and talks. Yeah. And, and then you go straight you to know, the locker room at that point. Right, you go straight to the locker room. So that's what happened. The coach, coach had already, he'd already talked. So, you know, now were we with him for like 10 minutes? No, it might have been five, six minutes, if I'm not mistaken. But once that happened, and you know, and they, they're not letting you in and, until the time is ready to right. let you in. <laughs> and I mean, they know just, their job. That, that, right, right, right. They, the, the security knows what's going on. You know, they're not. They're, they're not. Matter of fact, they're, they're more likely to hold you out um, Too long. longer right. than, the, yeah. than, than just open the door and just let you in. So someone gave them the green light to open the door. But obviously there were some things that, and then you could sort of see um, Jamal, which I, I believe Jamal was probably one of the leaders in the conversation. You could see him kind of like a, a huddle type deal, like waving people, uh, because I believe Warren had already left because um, he usually leaves fairly early. I think he had already left and then he came back in. And so then I'm like, okay, well, Usually, you know, so that was kind of an alert of, okay, well, maybe they need to have this combo or they get ready to talk or whatever. But we think we were going to be out there 40 minutes, 40 40 (laughs) some odd minutes. No, no. You know, it was like, you know, you're sitting there. Just let a couple guys come out without a towel, get get dressed, and then let you back in or something like that, right? You were thinking this is a quickie. yeah, it was like, I'm thinking, all right, well, they just need to, you know. But, but when Warren came back in, I, I, that 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 gave me the, the light of, Something okay, happened. they're getting ready to have a conversation. But I didn't know, like I said, it was going to last. I mean, Gina and I, and, and, and you know, they had, a, uh, I think, an AP person getting quotes uh, for Denver for AP. And there was and a so blogger we, there, you know, too. Well, He's the one who posted yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like. People are talking, and all kind of story. You know, we're reminiscing about stuff, and it's like, and you start looking at the clock. You're like, wait a minute, this is. We're talking now. It's twenty minutes, twenty minutes. You know, and then you, people still talking about other stuff, and then you look up again. Okay, it's been thirty, and you're like, all right, what's going on? So, now you didn't hear any yelling, right? 
No, no, I didn't hear any yelling. Like, yeah, there was, was like, a month or two ago, right? Wasn't it eight? You guys walked in on Aiden and Booker jawing at each other. Yeah, that was that was after uh, and I knew that was that was after that was after uh, the Portland game um, when they uh, they had nine points in the quarter. I think yeah. that was after that game and uh, after the first quarter. And so, yeah, that was that was because Aiton. No, because Booker didn't play. He was still out with the uh, uh, hamstring. Right. He was still out with the hamstring, so Booker didn't play. So yeah, that's when we uh, uh, walked in on that. Um, um, but but it, it it didn't have that kind of feel um, in the locker room, and we walked in. It wasn't like it was a, a tense uh, feeling. Uh, but then you know, like I said, you know, you you. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and and then finally, you know, they, they open the door and you're like, okay. So then you're seeing certain guys, you know, talking to each other and then you see other guys, uh, you know, that were, you know, dressed and ready to go. And and uh, and so I think, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how, how, how they come out to today. But, but the way uh, you saw it was like it was measured, like it was a – Everybody wasn't all tense and emotional and stuff like that. It was just people were, were pretty much quiet after a after a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty you know it was pretty quiet, but it wasn't like it was um, you know like you know you're seeing Melton and you know you look at the rookies. You know it's like you know Melton's is kind of you know he, he he was normally how he is. You know he's smiling. Right. You know smiling, just hanging out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he's just hanging, you know. He's like, well, you know, I got this boot. I can't really go nowhere, so I'm good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, where, whereas, you know, Oubre, you know, he was – Oubre was dressed and out, you know. He, he was he was dressed and out, you know. He was – you know, he and then mm. AC was another one that just – you know, he was dressed and, and was ready to go. And then, you know, so you're looking to see who to talk to. And, of course, you know, you talk to Booker and – that was the beginning of the of the of the shower uh, the shower narrative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you guys get Jamal late or early? In that, like, was uh, Booker we, first? We, well, we got Devin first. Devin first, okay. And then and then, um, and then Josh uh, second, uh, and then Jamal uh, third. Um, okay. And, uh, so, so, we, so it was kind of like a circular deal. Uh, how, how yeah, but I thought that was interesting because the Jamal part was he was totally all just, we're good, we had a good conversation after the other guys had already done the long shower narrative, so Jamal didn't jump on the long shower part, right? He no, he like, did. He did at the end. Did he? Okay, okay. Because he said, because he, he, he said. Oh, it's um, wet. Yeah, yeah, I'm used to the wet. I, he said, I got out, you know, I, I, I just got out the shower. That's, something yeah. like that. So yeah, he, every every that they were sticking. At least those three were sticking to the shower line. Now, now, usually, again, usually you can get some more candid comments from Josh than the other guys, and it kind of felt like the, his were the most candid of all of them uh, in in the quotes that were shared. Yeah, he, he you know he's 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 a little more. Uh, uh, Canada is probably the right word. He, he's, he's he's definitely more more uh, more willing to, to to say to say some stuff and 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 uh, but I think that you know uh, the the thing about that is because because the time of the of the of this meeting or this talk or whatever 
Now you got to get in a rush to get to the plane, you right. know, because now you got to fly out. And they and they were saying, you know, they got certain blocks of time that you have to leave, and then they're de-icing the plane, and and they're doing all this stuff. So you're on a timing type deal, and so uh, you know, so then that that probably led to certain guys. Okay, well, let me get on the plane, and and then uh, you know, but by the time we got back in there, everybody was pretty much was pretty much dressed. Ready to get yeah, right. You know, ready, ready to get out of there. Jamal was probably the one of the last ones that wasn't dressed, which leads you to saying, okay, he, he may have been doing a bit of the talking uh-huh. because you know, he might have got in the shower later than than the rest. Than than others. And I and I, I, I would dare to say that the, that that entire fifty forty, fifty minutes wasn't just talking. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't, I don't, something tells me that couldn't have been that long of a conversation. You think they just that needed would, time to decompress before? Right, right. I, I, I think talk. there was people that probably said some that needed to say was needed to say some things, and they're saying, you know, that they've been saying this whole thing about we we're good with each other, we're we're we we should be able to uh, be critical of of each other. And that's been a, a narrative. Um, that's going on um, for most of the season. So, uh, yeah, let me ask you about that, Josh quote, because I only saw the quote. I didn't see how he said it or anything like that. Was he saying that he can't believe it took this long or was he just saying, look, it's fine. We just talk like no, it was, it was more of like, you know, um, you know, it, it, it like the results or if, if, if we need an opportunity, if, if we want to say something to each other, if we want to have one of these talks, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter what, how to, what game, it, how to, how the result of a game. Like if there's something that we feel like we need to get off our chest as a team, then we ought to be able to do this whenever. Was he saying that yeah. as like a negative to the timing of this talk or was he just saying? No, no I, at least I didn't take it that way. I took it as that he was just saying that it shouldn't take, you know, us losing or it shouldn't take a certain thing for us. We should be able to do this no matter what. Yeah, like okay. whenever, 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 whenever we're feeling as if we need to say something to each other, we ought to be able to do that because we should be comfortable. We're comfortable enough with each other. We get along. We ought to be able to, to have that kind of conversation, um, you know, regardless yeah. of, of whether it's after <laughs> this type of game or after, a, a, you know, a close loss or whatever, whenever we feel a need, to address each other, we ought to do that. Hey, and, Aiden, me, and Aiden has talked about that quite a bit about how you know that that you know that is that he's okay with you know being told what what he didn't do, right, or what he should do. Um, That's one of the things I know, like about him is that he is at least open to the feedback. Right. Wh- whether he can right, actually right. like whether he's mature enough yet to process it and and grow from it immediately versus over time. Is you know that's just a product of age. He's only twenty years old, but at least he's willing to hear it and and remember it and take it as a as a need to improve as opposed to, um, uh, you know, something that he didn't appreciate. You know what I mean? So he he does like right. hearing that stuff. Right, right. And he, 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 you know, he he needs that. You know, he, he, <clears throat> and he, he, he's and one he of those that, that needs somebody. Like he even said, coach. He even talked about Coach Igor. He said, you know, he'll he'll get on him. Because he's acting like a teenager, you know, at times, right. and so it's like, you know, to kind of remind him, hey, you're 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 a professional, you're a grown up, you know, yeah, you're you're a grown up, 
you know, and but this is the same guy that, you know, plays uh, NBA 2K. Right. Which, again, <laughs> at age 20. That's uh, what they I do. A lot of, that's what they do. I mean, when I was 20, that's what I did. I well, played video shoot. games. People even my age are playing 2K these days, so. Yeah, I know what you mean, but and uh, he's got to he's got to professionally grow up before he emotionally and personally grows up, and that's tough for a guy at that age. It's tough for a lot of those guys, <clears throat> and the Suns just have to ha- happen to have a larger concentration of those kind of guys than most teams, right? And that they're and that they're relying on. That's the, yeah, and that's the thing is other teams like uh, I, was talk- I was looking at Denver's roster. Denver has the second youngest roster in the league. Um, and the Suns are actually collectively a little bit older than Denver, probably because of Jamal. Um, but basically, Denver's guys are a little bit more NBA mature. They've been around longer. They're not relying on four rookies in their rotation, you know, like the Suns are. And they're not relying on their two best players being 20 and 22 years old. I mean, Jokic is 23 and Jamal Murray is 21, but really they're – They've got Gary Harris there to, to really support them, and they've got some some other older players. Will Barton. Um, yeah. Will Barton, right, exactly, playing big roles, not the Jamal Crawford role that's uh, bigger than it should be, but Will Barton's playing a smaller-than-he-should-be role, you know, and and, uh, and Gary Harris is playing a smaller-than-he-should-be role because the just it just so happens that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are that much more talented. But the team isn't relying on those guys for their emotional leadership on a nightly basis, uh, uh, whereas the Suns are. And that's where Devin Booker is having a really hard time this year. You didn't get to watch Booker close up last year, Dwayne, but he was battered last year because he had a clearer mind. He actually played harder through all game instead of uh, letting it turn on a dime on a bad call like he's doing this year. Uh, he was making more of his shots because his mind was clearer. I think the only reason he's shooting 32% this year is because he's putting so much pressure on every shot he's taking right now that, like you said, when people are stressed out, an open shot isn't as open as it is when you're not stressed. And uh, that's that's Booker. Every shot is a is is a release of is you is built on stress right now, and that's why he's making so many fewer shots. But yeah, he was better last year than he is this year, and yet the Suns are relying on him more, and he's relying on himself more this year than he ever has. And and so that's a tough transition for him. We'll see how that goes. Hey, I have a question for you. How's TJ Warren getting around on that ankle that's so bad he's been shut down for two weeks? It's interesting because, um, you know, he, you know, you rarely, you rarely see him now because of the injury um and i don't mean like rarely like he like vanished but i just mean that you know you don't yeah you know, low profile for guys exactly, who are injured. right 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 but you know when i've seen him walk around i mean he seems to be walking around um it's not like it's with a uh a, a major limp or anything like like, yeah. he's not, like he don't have no boot on like melton melton well, that's walking around with that's a major what, boot on that's what hit um, it for me is i saw him on the last home game I guess that was Thursday, and he was walking out with no wrap on his ankle, no nothing. The right ankle right. looked the same as the left. Uh, he's in his regular clothes, and, and uh, right. I didn't see him walk much because I don't stare at guys walking down the hall, but um, he didn't appear to have any need any kind of assistance or have any kind of right. special limp. He might. I mean, those deep uh, high ankle sprains, uh, you don't limp 
but you feel like lots of pain and you have no spring in your step. I had a high ankle sprain all summer um, and uh, it's not fun, right? But you're not limping all the time. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's not injured. But when you see DeAnthony Melton in a boot and using a cane after an ankle sprain and, and then uh, TJ Warren has been shut down for longer and he has no outward signs of it, just makes you wonder <laughs> what else well, no, might he, but be he going was, on. But, he, but, but I will say this. He was, um, the other night, he was in there and they were working on the ankle. And um, they, he was on the machine and they were working on the ankle. Okay. okay. And so, so it was like, so it's clear that, that, that something is wrong. Yeah. Um, I should just go back to what were, I already they, expected. Right. They they were definitely working on his ankle. Um, it was on, like I said, he was on some uh, machine to try to, you know, balance and, and, and things of that nature. The, the whole idea of coach saying it's chronic is, 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 is to me, that's, that's, that's just not a, you don't like to hear that word uh, when it comes to a player. Yeah. Um, that relies on um, not just, you know, just, it's just regular movements of just basketball period, but, you know, as a guy that, that, that has the ability to get to the rim and, and, and already, plants and yeah. takes awkward looking shots and falls awkward to find that space. So, right. And he's always on the ground. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, that, that, then you add that, it, it just doesn't add up well, but, um, but you know, um, you know, we got another, what week and a half of that. So, so a lot can happen in, in, in two weeks. So we'll, sure. see, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, okay. I'll go back to my original uh, assumption, which is that it's one of those uh, non-swelling high ankle sprains that's just deep in there and it saps your your spring and all that, and they just have to get them over it. So we'll right, just they're go calling it they're calling it a bone bruise, and and so you you you're wondering, um, you know, is it a matter of okay when I'm when I'm just walking around. It's no problem, but once I try to to play, yeah, and and, and cut and move, then that's when it you know it, it flares up. Whereas, really hurts, yeah. Uh, yeah, it really hurts. So, uh, you know, and and, and you know, where whereas a sprain, um, you know, you can and, and maybe you know Melton is just that that was weird though seeing him with the boot. I got yeah. like when I I looked, I said, oh wow, he's got a boot on. That's more and than he had, yeah, and, and, and it, he had electrolysis on it. It was like you could see the little wires coming out the bo- out of, out of the top of it. Yeah, so the, the stem. Was, yeah, the stem, right? The stem on it. So, so yeah, it's uh, very odd. Very yeah. Odd. Well, shoot, man, the Suns look like uh, they're just the walking wounded right now. So we'll see how that Laker game goes on Sunday night. Um, folks listening to this might be hearing this on on Monday or Tuesday of this week but uh um good luck at the, uh, watching that laker game and hopefully that'll that'll be good for the suns i don't need the luck <laughs> they do well you need the luck the on, team on... Might, the team might but but uh but no 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 i'll be there i'll be there regardless i just need the uber driver to to uh you know i've had a couple interesting uh, recent moments Almost with Uber, so uh, oh, yeah. just hoping that he gets me staples. <laughs> well, we'll have you on again, and you can tell us some Uber stories. <laughs> All right, you have a good day, Dwayne, and and uh, thank you very much for coming on the Solar Panel Podcast with me, and and uh, we'll get you on again. 
You just got done listening to the solar panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Akeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.